Welcome to The Bridge, fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason. I'm originally from sunny California, now living in beautiful Beijing. Today with me is Bebe. Hello. Hi, everybody. Welcome to The Bridge. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today with us, we have Matt of Jayo Nation. Matt is an international traveler, vlogger, and influencer. His YouTube channel, Jayo Nation, has more than 120,000 followers and close to one and a half million followers spread across Douyin, TikTok, Totiao, Billy Billy, Instagram, and Facebook, where he has been sharing his journeys around the world with his fans for many years. Some of the places he's been include Mount Everest, which I want to go to, the Czech Republic, Slovakia, Japan, Canada, and more. He has also lived in China. Welcome to the show, Matt. Hi. Hi, Matt. Hi, Matt. Welcome. Yay. So exciting. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. How's it going? Good. Good. Um, Actually, I know you. <laughs> I know you. And I, from those, this was like, I don't know how long. Long ago, months or maybe years ago, mm. and I know you from uh, TikTok or Chinese Douyin. Mm-hmm. I and thought I you think- were going to say you met him. No, yeah, but, yeah. but it feels like that. That's the way it yeah, feels. Yeah, I know. You know. I get that a lot. And I think were you in Xi'an? It was uh, nightlife. You have a lot of videos about yeah. nightlife in China. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, you know, you, there are scenes of people, just happy people, strolling around, and it was maybe some festival. Mm-hmm. And you were, I think, you were asking something like, "You think these people are oppressed?" I mean. Look at them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you were talking to them. People were talking to you. And uh, it was it was very exciting. Yeah. And then I, I follow him every single You know, it's funny is that that was just a normal day in Xi'an. You know, that, that road is... Oh, it was in Xi'an. Yeah, yeah. That road is is very popular. And, and there was a bunch of people there. And I'm, I'm looking on my phone at the news in the world. And, mm. and it's all like uh, dystopian chaos in China and, and <laughs> everybody's unhappy there and people are being pro- mm. persecuted constantly. And I'm, I'm looking around and, it, you know, and it's not just that one street, you know, it was a lot of streets, a lot mm. of life. I've lived in China. I lived in China for 15 years. Wow. And so I was accused of being like, this is tourist. You just, you just throw you in these areas with, with all these nice people. And they say, <laughs> oh, this is what China is. And I'm like, well, no, I've had a lot of, little bit more experience than just that moment. So I could mm. take that other experience to infuse it into my time in Xi'an at that moment and say, listen, kids and parents. And it was all of these people who, who had, you could see that they're, they had, they had climbed up a social ladder over the last couple of decades and they mm. were like really proud of the way that their life had, had taken them to. And, mm. uh, and I was happy to see it. And I, you know, it wasn't meant to be a big video, but that video, holy, I don't know what it is, but it's, I think it's got like a hundred million views or something like that. A couple wow. of my, wow. a couple of my videos have gone just uber yeah. viral, you know, just, and I have 1700 videos that I've produced. Yeah. So you're listening to the bridge. So, Matt, could you tell us a little bit about where you're from? I am from right where I am right now. So I've mm. kind of come full circle. I'm in I'm in southeast Michigan right now. So I grew up mm. outside of Detroit. And I always think that uh, from a from a perspective of a person, that, uh, an expat that's lived in China a long time, coming from Detroit and going to China is an interesting thing because Detroit's like a manufacturing hub mm-hmm. and, and a lot of industry is here. And so uh, I had a real familiarization with what 
was like the industrial side of China, which is like a lot of the places that a lot of expats live along the coast is all of the industry, you know. Mm. So I moved uh, to China. I went to Haishu first and, and it's, a, it's a district in, in uh, Ningbo and uh, is a very industrial area. And uh, so I, I felt like I, it was kind of like a home away from home. So I recently uh, came back to the States and, and now I've kind of returned back to to Detroit where, uh, where I am right now, um, suburb of Detroit. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a typical suburban American boy, you know, so. Did you bike back from China? Yeah, we, we, we've been reading or learning about you wanted to bicycle around the world. I don't actually, he we, we were debating it. this before where the show started. How do you get from North America to other continents in that, theoretically? Well, first off, I'm offended, okay? It's not bicycle, it's tricycle, okay? So there's three wheels. Oh, oh, right, right, right. Oh, Let's get it sorry. straight. Shut it, shut it down, shut it down. It's over. <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, I, I've never seen a tricycle in the States. It's called a recumbent trike. It's a recumbent trike. Yep, well, yep, I don't yep. know. And it's actually downstairs right now in the garage of, of uh, the house that I live in, which is another weird thing. I live in a, a big house right now, and, and it's a, mm. kind of a rarity in China to find the ability to stay in a house. Yeah, so know? it's like reverse culture shock. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have bills. Lots the of like bills. Enormous. <laughs> yeah. I go to Costco and buy bulk... <laughs> Toilet paper. <laughs> what am I doing here in suburban America? If you were going to go around the world, how, theoretically, how would you cross oceans? Okay, so there's a lot of exceptions to the the rule. Obviously, I can't cycle over the the Bering Strait when it ices over. That's when I get around. No, no, it's, <laughs> it, you know, that's, that's the thing. No, uh, basically, I, I wanted to I wanted to see the world. So I, I wrote down mm -hmm. a bucket list of items that I wanted to accomplish before I I left this mortal mm. coil. And so I figured um, I'd join all of those points on, on a map. And then instead of like accomplishing all your bucket list items in one place, they would be scattered around the globe. And so mm -hmm. in order to join them, I, I kind of created the tour we called the, the Jio world tour. And, uh, mm -hmm. and so I, I found the recumbent trike path and I sort of connected the dots around. So mm. technically it really is a lot more than just going around the world, or at least it was until COVID kind of derailed everything. But it was, it was, uh, I went up into Korea, Japan, Taiwan, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Malaysia, Singapore. Uh, and then I'd go to Australia and New Zealand. And then from New Zealand, I would jump back to Thailand and move my way, like mm -hmm, by mm -hmm, flight, mm -hmm. go back to Chiang Mai and then ride all the way through. And at that point in time, when I created this, things weren't as volatile as they were. So I mm -hmm. was going through the Middle East, mm -hmm. you know, I, I really wanted to see, I wanted to ride through Iraq. Mm -hmm. I wanted to, I have friends in Tehran, you know, so I was planning on going through and then all the way up to the tip of Norway and then all the way down through the Rock of Gibraltar into Africa and then crossing over wow. to the uh, uh, East coast of Africa, down to the, the Cape Town and then taking a, mm. a freight across to southern mm. tip of South America and then mm -hmm. working my way all the way up to Alaska. So that was my, so that's really more than like most circumventing trips. Most of the time yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. they're more direct, whereas I'm just sort of zigzagging. So you're, you're crossing every continent from the long point of the long point almost. Was my intent. really can't stay still, huh? <laughs> <laughs> What's going on in my mind here in suburban America? Very nice. You're listening to The Bridge. You've been yeah. vlogging for a decade. Mm -hmm. Yeah, is that right? Over. What got, what got you into that? Well, um, I mean, it's sort of selfish. Uh, I, one of my 
personal vices is my memory. Um, I, I dated a girl in, in Vegas when I lived in Vegas. And I remember I, I forgot our anniversary. We were dating for over a year. <laughs> and she was, you know, a, you know, she's like, how do you forget this sort of date? And I just say, I have a problem. I just have real, real <laughs> trouble pull, holding on to information. So I started dictating my life mm. and trying uh -huh. to make sure that I never did that again. I didn't want to make those. I don't like mm. making people sad or, mm. you know, I don't want to, you know, and also I don't want to lose these special moments. So especially when I moved to China, hmm. all of a sudden, all of these interesting things were happening that I, that I was like, oh my gosh, this is so, so unique from the life I led in America. I don't want to forget any of this stuff. Hmm. So hmm. I started I started making little videos and those videos were just for me, but they started being watched by people as YouTube started to, to uh, spread my videos around hmm. and I started seeing this potential of, of videos. And then I also found that, I mean, I, I moved to China as a trading hmm. company. Hmm. So, so I had like all of these, mm -hmm. you know, companies that I was dealing with and I was, it wasn't fulfilling. It wasn't making me happy, but the videos were, <laughs> yeah. and, and I was teaching people about China and, and people always have had these weird preconceived notions about that country. And, mm -hmm. and I, I felt like I had an opportunity to kind of sh sh shed some light on some things that people didn't understand. <laughs> and then the channel grew and grew and grew. And all of a sudden I remember making like my first hundred dollars. And then I'm like, well, you can actually make money from this thing. And <laughs> so the opportunity to say, I, I was, was going to do trading less and, and video more and then mm -hmm. slowly the mm -hmm. the scales tipped and and uh, you know then the trip availed itself and then I started like planning to really travel around the world. Can I ask about that hundred dollars? Like how did this happen? Now for people who want to do this, you know, who is who, who are interested in traveling, not just in China, but like all over the place and maybe, mm -hmm. you know, you gotta have a way to finance your trips, you know, to stay alive. Did it happen easily? Like no, not easy at all. So you have to starve for like a year <laughs> yeah, before. Yeah, yeah, beyond oh. starve. I mean, you have to you have to eat really? dirt. You it's have, a great I mean, diet opportunity. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> you 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 have to have an alternative means of income until oh. the one side tips. You know, because it's similar to like that whole Einstein thing. Like you look at Einstein, you say he's the smartest guy in the world, mm -hmm. but you know there was a time where he was dumb. There was a time where he did not know. And there was a, mm -hmm. the artist that paints the amazing picture, the the the, uh, um, the musician that plays the amazing. You're like, oh, that that's a beautiful piece of music. But there was a time where he had to ding dong, ding dong, dong right. you know. <laughs> takes decades. And yeah. it takes time. The same thing with YouTube. I mean, there was mm -hmm. a lot of videos, a lot of mistakes, a lot of, you know, learning along the way. And eventually things start to kind of coalesce. And if you can build an audience, you have uh, an opportunity. And mm -hmm. even the audience I have right now isn't really enough to survive here in the United States. Mm. It's, really? it's enough to survive in Asia. Asia is pretty inexpensive uh, if you know mm. how to cut corners and, and live fairly frugally, you know. But uh, very rarely will you see a YouTuber that's going to be like, living high on the hog and those people are probably fake in many aspects you know <laughs> you know they'll turn the camera off and then you know sit on their dirty couch Re return the sports car yeah right right, right. <laughs> thank you for letting me borrow car. this <laughs> so that's the truth behind it well i don't know well it's not easy it takes I, not passion. everybody not everybody but it does mm. yeah. you're listening to the bridge
you mentioned your perceptions of China were different than after having lived in China. But what were your perceptions of China like before you in, came? And what was your transition to knowing what China was really like, like? Well, like I said, I had a trading company. I lived in Las Vegas when I first flew to China. And I had a trading company, but I never went to China. It was I was doing everything through global sources. You remember global sources? It was the, uh, it was the precursor to like Alibaba. And um, so I was kind of making, managing relationships with people overseas and thinking that, you know, I knew everything. And then I had some quality control issues and Mm. things fell apart and I had to go to China. Mm. And then, I mean, I remember Mm. uh, I went to Hong Kong and I went to Guangzhou for the Canton Fair. And I met a client and an agent at the Canton Fair and um, I didn't know nothing. I mean, I didn't speak. The only thing I knew how to say was Washwata Buhal. That was about it. You know? And I remember. But you sound I studied, very sincere. I studied that that phrase so much that when I spoke it, it was very fluid. You know, Washwata People were like, "Oh, so he speaks really like, well. Oh, you speak really well. You said yeah. I speak really well, really well. You know, but uh, um, I'm like, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> that Pijo, you know. Right. So, um, but I. I remember my preconceived notions of China was this is alien. Mm. Oh. You know, this is this is a different place. This is not on on the earth that I know. You know what I mean? Almost not on earth, you know. And um I was on the train with a guy and I was talking to him and he was like I had just moved to China and you know how when you move to China and you're actually moving there mm-hmm. and official capacity you can move one <laughs> container of your stuff like like one 20 foot container there's like this weird legality where you can like move tax-free one 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 collection of your goods if you're truly going to be a resident in china and mm. at the time there was this thing and and he was moving and he was telling me about all of this, this stuff and i just looked at him like you live in china <laughs> like you can live here they're only like what are you talking about you know <laughs> and and i remember going home and that made a, such a huge impression mm-hmm. on me and i started look, mm-hmm. looking at books on visas and like trying to that was before for YouTube. That was before I could learn. So it was like a challenge for you. You're like, oh, if he can do right, it, I can do right. it. You know, I started thinking a whole new way. That's why that's why YouTube's so great, because you can pro- provide people mm-hmm. that sit with that. Like that guy gave me a real inspiration for what life could be. And now mm-hmm. YouTube can do that in so many different ways, in bad ways too, but you know, a lot of good ways. Wow. Well, how long did it take you to actually get used to living in China? Was there a period of shock? Uh, probably a year, you know, like, I mean- oh. That's a long period of shock. For Americans who are considering moving to China now, what kind of things might surprise them? A lot less than when I moved there. I mean, China has evolved a lot, <laughs> you know. When I when I moved right. there, you know, it was like I said we didn't have the YouTube uh, the opportunity to see people's lives and, and learn from the experiences of others. We had to kind of get out there and get into the nitty gritty. A lot of less people spoke, spoke English. Mm. And mm. there, you know, you went to a lot of like, well, if you were like me and you were doing business, you were going to a lot of meetings, drinking a lot of Baijiu, <laughs> drinking a lot of tea and smoking a lot of cigarettes. Mm. And that was just the way that things were, you know, at that period of time, mm-hmm. you're going to a lot of KTV and feeling very uncomfortable with this <laughs> place, you know, and, you know, the food, the food wasn't a big deal. I, I mean, I love every flavor you can shove down my throat. I will, I will enjoy it. As a matter of fact, I would. Chodofu. Fr- Chodofu. Uh, that's a one. Wow. You bring up the one that I don't uh-huh. like. <laughs> yes. That's because that's one. my one. Yeah. He, he, Matt even loves pidan. 
which is the oh, thousand yeah. year God, eggs. That is fantastic. Like people, I don't. Most people don't even try like, it. Yay on my they're so unique. Yeah, people people don't yeah. try. People would love it. Actually, the consistency is quite. It's almost like pate. It's you know, it's really really good. You know, it's only the color. Yeah. <laughs> but anyhow, so I'm, glad them. I'm just. I don't dislike them. I just don't find them like remarkable. No offense to people who are in that industry. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. Could you tell us a little bit about the Himalaya? So did you come from the China side or the Nepal side? Um, well, I went to the Nepal side. That was, uh, you know, where mm -hmm. I could get the expedition. And uh, mm -hmm. I was familiar with Nepal and Kathmandu. And I was really excited to check out that side. It's a bit more lush, mm -hmm. I guess, than the than, than the north side. Although now that I've tried the the south side, I'd really love to try the north oh, yeah. side, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I I got just up to the precipice of, of summiting. And then I had to turn around. Mm. I had some health problems. So mm. I've, I regret, I regret not being able to stand on the top of the world. And uh, it'd be interesting to try it from the China side and actually accomplish it. Because once you're up there, I could look over and literally see where I turned around on the Nepal Nepalese side and say, hey, there you were. You know, for me personally, there's no way I'm in physical shape to do that. So I'm I, for people like you who, you know, have triked around the world to some extent, at least part of the, that tour that you wanted to do like aren't you concerned even though you're so physically fit that you might you know succumb to some serious physical ailment and not make it <laughs> because i mean people die up there it's true it's true people die up there well that's why i turned around mm -hmm. you know i had i had passed out on the lotsi face oh. the previous day and uh, i fell asleep i passed mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. out of heat heat stroke you wouldn't think about it it's mm -hmm. like negative 35 degrees but it's also a very thin atmosphere and i was wearing black undergarments and i so i stripped down to all my long underwear and the sun had baked me so much much that I ended up passing out. I woke up dangling, wow. dangling from a rope. Wow. And, wow. and wow. I was like, this rope just saved my life. And, and what's my life mm. worth? And I've got a daughter that's just born mm. and I've got like all of these opportunities in this trike trip and all of these things. And I'm like, I don't know if this is really worth it at this point in time. And so I went to the tent, they put me on oxygen. I slept on it. I woke up the next day and, and I tried to restart, but my, my heart wasn't mm. in it. And so I, uh, I, I, progress forward. My, there was a lot of other mm -hmm. things. It's a long story, mm -hmm. but um, I ended up t making the sort of executive decision. I told my shirt, I said, Hey, you know, why don't we turn mm -hmm. around? It's been a good try. You know, I'll come back here when I'm, when I'm more in the right mind. Mm -hmm. Wow. Not many people have done that, right? Ashley go up to the very top. No, no handful, you know, exactly. A few hundred. It's, it is the, the highest point. Hmm. On the surface of the earth. On the surface, yeah. yeah. Yep. Oh, amazing. But for you in your travels to many countries around the world, what are some of the places that have really stood out in your mind that maybe you want to go back or that that memory will just be at the front of your mind for the rest of your life? Well, I mean, uh, geez, that's a difficult question. It's like, what's your favorite country? You know, it's, it's, it's you know, it's, mm. it's sort of okay, impossible. Okay, a couple of yeah. them. Well, a couple, a couple stories. Tell us a couple stories. For just the sheer act of doing something unique that, that not a lot of people get to do. I would say that uh, going to North Korea, mm -hmm. running a marathon in Pyongyang. Wow. You know? wow. <laughs> um, so being able to like spend some time in a place that is so misunderstood. I, I remember going there, running around with people and like literally running on the marathon and, and, and like being able to see the smiles on North Korean kids' faces. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, I was able to like say, you know what, I, I whatever the case is, I tried to make a, as best an impression that a a uh, white American man 
could, you know what I mean? Yeah, because yeah. I knew that I knew that what they had in their minds was, and they they had told me was that you know the Americans, especially their government, is to be feared, and 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 the people are scary, yeah. and you know they're evil. And so you were taking you know, up a role as kind of an ambassador. You're doing that. As an expat, you're Naturally. doing that everywhere yeah. you go. Even in America, mm. I'm doing that as an American, you know, like to try, you know what I mean? Like, we're, <laughs> no, we're can always... you elaborate on that? That's a really interesting idea. <laughs> you, as an American in America, how are you an ambassador for America? I would love to hear about more <laughs> well, about I that, mean, I, that idea. You know, there's, I'll tell you one thing. People think that mm. politics is, you know, this pervasive thing that everybody's so focused on. It ain't nothing compared to what's going on here. Mm. I mean, it is, it is in everybody's blood. Mm. It defines them to such an extent that it makes you stressed and crazy. I have mm. a stress just living in this country that I didn't have when I was living in China. It was just, China's just sort of like, just move forward. You see the world sort of evolving around you. Things are happening that are good in some cases and and maybe stagnating in others, but not a lot of bad, mm. you know? There was always like momentum in China mm. and it was always this like weird forward momentum. And I always tried in my videos, especially to like, like you know, when I want to take a train across the entirety of China, I can do that <laughs> and I can do it pretty quick and I can do it pretty cheaply. And as I'm going across, I can see cities that are sprouting up in valleys that are like, you know, and I'm like, that valley had really poor people in it. Mm. And now they're living in a lot of those really amazing buildings. And it was mm. vivid examples of this. And now I'm traveling and I'm not not trying to knock America, obviously. <laughs> I, I love this country. It's, it's the whole country of my birth. And but but you know, there's some real societal problems mm. here. And and as an ambassador, I'm I'm trying to be an ambassador to my fellow Americans to kind of either tamp down mm. this anger or mm. this othering or this frustration mm -hmm. or or all of these things that you know there's certain there's a certain point where we can't affect everything in our world and i get involved in it too because i'll, I'll you know but but i'm always trying to look at the world from the global perspective and not, mm -hmm. not the American perspective and say, okay, okay, let's take a deep breath. You know, mm -hmm. the, we might feel like the world is closing in on us, but, but there's a lot more world out there. Right. Can I ask you a question as someone who's been in America recently, who is in America, when I go out and I meet another American in Beijing and we have completely opposite mm -hmm. politics about something, yeah. we can usually have a beer together and everything's fine because we're like, hey, yeah. we're the two Americans in this bar. So I'm wondering about what is that, what's going on in America too? Even though people have diametrically opposed politics, are they still able to be respectful in like normal social situations? There's certainly more tribal here. Obviously there's more people, so people will congregate with people that, that and in, in when you're a Laoi, mm. you know, when you're an expat, there's, you only have so many people that you can surround yourself with. So you don't have the luxury of picking and choosing too much. Mm. So you probably end up, you know, like, okay, well, it doesn't matter what you think. Let's just go out and have a beer together. And we'll have a good time. I wish that was more, more, mm. but you know, or in America, people have had the opportunities to kind of like glob on mm. to those that, that have the same ideology. Mm. And, the, and mm. so that has kind of fomented division, mm. even, even like it's, it's with everything though, it's, it's culture, it's rich and poor. Mm. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's everything sort of all wrapped in together and creating some chaos. You're listening to The Bridge. 
tell us a, a few, or maybe just let's start with one or two of your favorite experiences traveling in China, some villages or cities or big parks, anywhere you've been or done that really stood out? Um, so many. I remember even on my first trip, I was riding through Anhui province and I was cycling through the mountains and I was just sort of getting used to the idea of cycling and in the mountains. It's, I mean, Anhui province is, is beautiful. I mean, you've got have some just winding roads that go up these hillsides, you know, to infinitum. It feels like they go on forever, you know? Mm -hmm. And I remember cycling up this one hill. It was one of the longest hills I had ridden up until that point, And I was just exhausted. And uh, I remember finding a uh, a village house and there were some kids playing outside and I, I was able to like, I didn't know my Chinese still wasn't that good. I was trying to communicate with them and uh, I, you know, they welcomed me into their home because I was exhausted. I couldn't move. Mm. I couldn't go. <laughs> and it's not like they couldn't do a lot of stealth camping in those streets because mm. they were so narrow and there was a hillsides. Where are you going to camp? You're not going to camp anywhere. It's just house on one side and the hill on the other, you know? <laughs> yeah. And and they ended up letting me sleep next to a, uh, you know, those bamboo mat with all the peanuts drying on it. You know, <laughs> like I was like, I was sitting yeah. just, it's, it's just weird, you know. <laughs> and uh, I remember I woke up and they, they were all, you know, people are so nice everywhere, everywhere in the world. You know, just mm -hmm. it's and in particular in Asia, you know. And so the next morning I woke up and and got back on the road and they, they sat down and we had a coffee and, and had these like, like real true honest experiences. I remember waking up the next day and I was so tired. I couldn't go two more pedals, you know? Well, the next day I, mm -hmm. I rode and it wasn't just more, it wasn't more than a hundred meters. And I got to the precipice of the hill and was able to go like 15 kilometers down wow. Wow. hill. And I remember I was like, I was so close hmm. to breaching the top of that hill to, to, to go over. And I stopped, you know, I, it was great that I stopped because I, I met that, uh, met that nice family. I mean, just such amazing, unique experiences all throughout China. There was the, um, uh, the Mogao Grottoes. And ah. for those of you that don't know, the Mogao Grottoes are, you know, they're ingrained in Chinese culture. You know, it's the Silk Road uh, nexus point where Buddhist monks got, yeah, yeah, right. You were saying that you, you like Buddhism and you must have a pretty good knowledge of the Mogao Grottoes, right? Uh, I've seen uh, some pictures and videos. It's beautiful. Yeah. All those I mean, paintings. They're, they're amazing. Yeah. All those paintings. And they're all, they each tell a different story of a different time period and a different mm -hmm. culture in that time period. Mm -hmm. And it just sits there in the middle of the sand, you know, and, and then China is trying its best to maintain it and keep it. And, you know, some of it had been, you know, ramshackled and, and some of it was, was bleaching. Cause you know, if you leave stuff out for in, in, in nature for too long, all those colors end up fading mm. and you can kind of like, it's like a window into the world. Same with the terracotta warriors in, in Xi'an mm. and, and seeing, mm. seeing those. I mean, that for me, I, I know that that's a very touristy thing, but, mm -hmm. but walking amongst those remnants, it's just, yeah, that's just, mm. that makes my day, you know, just being able to see and all the different feelings and emotions that went into making each one of those soldiers mm. and horses and archers and, and chariots. And, and you're looking at all of these different people who had all of these different roles in, in, in creating this thing for this, this person that was, you know, that was godlike at the time, you know, and, and, and. Mm. China has such a history and it's and it's something that as a, as an American we have American Indians but American Indians were so 
like in touch with the land mm. that although their history goes back quite far, mm. there's not a lot left. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And the Chinese history goes back thousands of years and it's still, you can see those thousands of years, you know, yeah. you can see them still. I mean, speckled across China, you can see the remnants of their culture throughout so many different uh, steps and different uh, dynasties and you can see the evolution of the culture. And so, yeah, I mean, I could go on and on about wonderful different experiences and places, and but a lot of it's wrapped around people as well, you know, meeting the different people and, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, the road side stand that, that's making, uh, you know, some uh, fried rice or, or, or chow mein or something. Mm -hmm. And you're just going and partaking in probably some people would think is garbage food, you know, but I'm looking at it like it's the best, it's you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're the best. I know <laughs> Street food. they're the real thing. You're listening to The Bridge. something that I really want to ask. Yeah. Now, you've been literally like across the globe, mm -hmm. different continents, all these countries. I want to ask you about happiness and wealth because mm. you've been to countries that are not as wealthy, yeah. right? And parts of, even parts of China, you know, that you have Shanghai, Beijing, mm -hmm. I don't Hoity know, high buildings and yeah, all that. Yeah. yeah. And then there are, you know, uh, these families, village farmers you meet in the mountains and in other countries mm -hmm. uh, with different religions. Yeah. Do you see some correlation between how happy people are um, and, and with how wealthy they are? I mean, like America is the wealthiest nation on the planet. And a lot now. of them are the most depressed people. You know what I mean? And they're fighting and they're, they're, they're worried about minimum wage and there's this, this rat race and there's this like, uh, uh, the keeping up with the Joneses, you know, that saying, keeping up with the Joneses, mm, you know, yeah. there's a real, yeah. there's a real trying to have as much as the next guy. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of the, and the next guy that you're trying to keep up with is buying everything on credit, you know, and he's, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like he's not, I met that family in China, actually a friend of ours who we thought was insanely rich. It turns out they had 20 million RMB in debt. Yep. That's that's not a yep. surprise. Nope. Yep. Yeah. A lot of people, they make money because they they got a lot of loans and mm -hmm. start things mm -hmm. going. But anyhow. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to her. No. Yeah. And, well, then, and, you know, and happiness. Then, and then I'm off into middle of Vietnam and Cambodia and, and I'm meeting uh, farming families and small ramshackle houses with people that you would think if I lived that life, I would be the most miserable person around, you know, and, mm. and yet these people are probably happier than, than most people I've met in the world, you know, and they're satisfied in there. Mm. I think that the key is, uh, that I've learned, especially living in Asia is being able to provide a, a better opportunity for your kids. So like, even, mm. even these people who are, you know, who were in my Western perspective, poor, impoverished, but they're doing so much better than mm. their parents and their kids are going to do so much better than them. Mm. And there was this, this fulfilling idea that you're working towards a better goal in life. And there's hope. There's hope. You see hope. If you mm. have hope, happiness is closely following, mm. you know, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned earlier culture shock. Um, when you came to China, I guess what, 
2002, 2003? It must have been quite a while ago. Nine. 2009. 2009. Because you'd lived here 15 years? 2005. 2005. 2005. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. you experience culture shock. You're like, wow, this is very alien. Um, you've also been to a lot of countries, including like Nepal and, and, and elsewhere. Have you experienced culture shock yep. in other countries? And what could you tell us about some of those experiences? Oh. Things that we wouldn't expect maybe that would surprise us arriving in mm. particular areas, countries, localities. Well, everything that you do is acts like a muscle, right? So like yeah, the more you work it, the stronger it gets and the more comfortable you get with that muscle, right? Mm -hmm. So if you do the curl on your arm, your bicep's going to hurt the first couple of days, but then, you know, you're going to find your groove and traveling is, is that way. And culture shock is that way. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. I can remember moving to China for the first time and feeling like, like fish out of water doesn't even, you know, it's like, oh, where, because, because the funny thing was that I didn't move to China as an expat. I didn't, I mean, not as an expat, as a, as a, as a teacher or an employee, I moved to China as a, an entrepreneur. I had my own business. I was trying to start. So I was like, I didn't have that contract where people are like, you're going to live in this apartment. And you know, Joe is across the street. <laughs> And uh, Wang Jia is down here. He'll help you with anything that you need. You know, I was mm -hmm. literally had to figure it all out on my own. So I was like, mm -hmm. aye, aye, aye. but it was good. But it was good because it's kind of taught me, you know, what I what I needed to know. You know, it was like getting thrown in the deep end, they'd say mm -hmm. in uh, in America, you know, so. Um, but but then I started my tour and I remember going to Korea for the first time. It was a, it was the first stop on my mm. on my global tour was Korea. And I remember I took the ferry there and I got off on the ferry and I'm like, how do I make a phone call? You know, this was before this was before, you know, China Mobile having like just this blanket, you know, like the international plans were expensive. Mm -hmm. And then my phone didn't work when I got there. And and I'm like. Where am I going to stay? Is the trike okay to ride on the streets? Who, you know, are people going to be nice here? Am I going to be able to get from place to place? I wonder if there's bridges over highways because the trike couldn't, you know, you couldn't, sometimes you had to carry your bicycle over. Oh, yeah, uh, there's uh, no, you know what I mean? Place for, you can't yeah. carry, that trike is not a bike. You know, that thing you got to carry in. And I remember, yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe I'll have to, I'll have to lug this thing. Japan was notorious in Tokyo. I had to, I had to carry that trike up and down bridges, oh, no. like, like 10 <laughs> bridges a day. Wow. And the thing was heavy as, as all heck. But, um, and anyways, I got to Korea, I hit the ground and I'm just like, I felt like it was my first day in China and it was kind of an exciting feeling, uh, but it was also scary. And I remember finding a guy, uh, an old, you ever seen Big Trouble in Little China? Yeah, yeah. With, uh, John Carpenter. Do you remember the movie of the, the little Chinese guy who's like, you know, he's raggedy and he's, 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 he was like the, he was the counter to Kurt Russell's character. You mean the old man who's trying to live forever. Yeah. The old man. He needed to, he needed yeah, a girl. Yeah, with, he was always doing gross stuff, like picking his nose. He's a very famous he's actor. He's really been in like stuff. a thousand movies. Yeah. Yeah. I love that guy. He's funny. But, um, so I, I ended up going to this little shop and it had a guy very similar of similar stature and feeling as this guy. And he starts rummaging through file cabinets. I was looking for a uh, SIM card, you know, a traveling SIM card. And he starts rummaging through just piles and piles and piles of documents and folders and stuff. I was like, I don't, what system do you have here to find anything? This is crazy. <laughs> and he's rummaging and he pulls out this one card and it's a, it was a, a global traveler card and it ended up being my card. I, I used for the rest of my trip, really. It was, it was from Thailand, but it was a good card. I don't know why he had it. I don't know how he had that card, but, but I ended up, it was, it was, it was, a tr it was basically me stumbling mm. from place mm. to place to try to figure out. Mm. Then I went to Japan 
mm-hmm. the culture shock was a little bit more organized than I went to, <laughs> you know. The shock was more organized. <laughs> here's your shock, <laughs> sir. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, here's your shot. You know, it was, you know, this was here and this was here. And I knew, you know, you, you know, you start knowing the unknowns and you're like, mm-hmm. okay, I, I'm going to have to figure this out. And this is how I figured out in Korea. And this is how I'm going to figure out in Japan. Mm-hmm. And so then you start to kind of organize. And then obviously, you know, I went from Korea to Japan, back to China down, and then I went to Vietnam. And that was like, mm-hmm. you know, Vietnam's a bit of a, a, a more of a third world kind of experience, mm-hmm. at least crossing the land border there in Northern Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then into Laos. And then Laos was like, where am I? <laughs> so, I just want to know, were you ever afraid? Like, oh, yeah, are guys afraid when question. you go to new places? I mean, like, I would be. I always travel with my wife, so I feel like we're like a team. <laughs> she will tackle anything. <laughs> She's going to protect me. Chinese wife? Oh, my oh, God. My, oh, my gosh. Watch out. Well, <laughs> if I travel with Annie, it is too easy. Things things are very, very easy, mm. you know. Oh. But uh, when when I'm traveling on my own, I like this. I like the unknown. I like, I like to be a little bit afraid. I won't say that I'm like, I'm not fearing for my life, but I am sort of, okay, deep breath here, Matt. Let's, let's, let's jump in the deep end and let's, let's try and figure out what's, what's going on. And that's kind of like, mm-hmm. I really miss it because mm-hmm. I'm an American in America. And it is, if you're those two things, it's easy, you know, like maybe it's not shocking yeah, there's enough. A, there's a Walgreens in every city across every state in America. There's like yeah. 65 different types of just wheat cereal. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Life gets you complicated. Know, too much choice. Well, I mean, not complicated at all. For people who maybe not quite as brave as you, but also wanting to have a global experience, what kind of travel tips would you give people about how to like acclimate when they first arrive in a, a city in a country they've never been to? Where do you store the cash? <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, a, that's not, that's a valid where question. Yeah, where, that's a valid question. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, first thing is just do it. Mm. I know so many people that are like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to mm. save up. I'm going to mm. save up. And it's like, they never end up going yeah. or they go and they're so, they're so old that they don't get to experience it the way that maybe they could have if they, if they went when mm. they first thought about it. Second, make sure you have your apps. I started when there wasn't like there was, mm. I started traveling when you had to have those translation. We had apps, but they were like those translation apps where you had to type in the pinion and it would show you the character or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And nowadays mm. you can take a picture of a menu and it'll translate it instantly, you know, with, with Google Google Translate. Ah, so right. Yeah, it's yeah, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's wonderful. People don't appreciate what I went through, you know, in the, in the beginning. <laughs> um, I would say that have a few really important apps, currency, conversion, translator, and uh, a good map that works offline, mm-hmm. you know, that that you don't need to have online because because you never know what's going to happen when you get there. And then mm-hmm. you got to figure out, you know, what, what your service is. I mean, I don't know. If you're traveling in Asia, you don't need a lot of cash anyways. I mean, you know, you can do Alipay mm-hmm. almost everywhere around. And uh, and I'm kind of lucky because I... It's really weird. I don't actually use Alipay. I use WeChat. Yeah, Pay. but when you're outside... Everyone, everyone I know uses yeah, Alipay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, WeChat in China is... You're not going to use anything else. I, I literally forgot the color of a hundred RMB note. I mean, I didn't, but you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> it's pink. I mean, I think, you know, yeah, we'll see it. Pick it up. You never, yeah, yeah, but you never see it anymore. I mean, I, I literally yeah, last yeah. last four years, month. five years in in China, I didn't t- even touch a paper bill. You know, yeah. which was great. That makes things very easy. You know, but so if you're traveling, make sure you understand the currency and don't worry about the language so much. You know, learn the basics. Hi, thank you. 
goodbye, how much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the rest you can you can kind of I get a lot of griefs from people when I make some videos and I'm like, I just learned this about this place and I just learned this about them. and they're like, How come you're not more prepared? <laughs> you, should, you, should, you should know everything about everything. And I like learning on the spot. Mm. You know, I like to be exposed. And I guess it's a little bit of a of a like if you're YouTube, you know, people want to be taught on YouTube. Mm. People want to mm. learn on mm. YouTube and, and they're watching you learn. What the hell am I watching him learn? I want to learn. You know, he should be teaching me. But but I like the idea of being able to just travel around and kind of like put your finger to the wind and I'm going to go <laughs> this direction and and figure it out from there, you know. So don't be afraid. I think one thing that uh, Matt can share with other people who want to travel is that you always have a huge smile on your face, you know, like oh, yeah, when, yeah, when, yeah, yeah. in your videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I think that's the best card. Because mm. when you have that good, good. F- smile on your face, people know that you are friendly. Yep, yep. And they smile back and they talk, you wave hello and yihao, and they wave hello and here's a connection that you know that he's safe, I'm safe, nothing to worry about. Mm. And you um, know what? That, that's yeah. so important. Yeah, yeah. That, I, I, I'm going to have to uh, steal that from you because that was actually, that's what I would normally say is that, that the smile mm. and the eye contact, eye right. contact is huge. Like, like you can see when I, when I do this, you can see all the lines in my face <laughs> come out because from all those eye so, contacts, because, because all of that, like, Hey, you know, right. the, the happy eyes mm. and the engagement and being able to like, I, man, I've, I've been to a lot of countries. I speak some Chinese, but I don't speak Vietnamese, but some Thai mm. and, you know, but but not a lot. And so you got to fill in the rest with emotive experiences, mm. emotive gestures. Mm-hmm. And so having that is really important and not being afraid to, it's it's not a Western culture thing, but like not being afraid to like extend and touch people and like, right. you know, or being touched not, a bit or being touched, mm. you know, especially in China, you know, you're going to have people that are going to be like, you know, manhandling you what, what other people <laughs> would think. Of, Don't go but, into but, Kung Fu mode right away. Yeah. <laughs> You're listening to The Bridge. You touched on something early in the show I wanted to bring back around a little bit. So you spent 15 years living in China, and now you've recently Mm -hmm. come back to the United States. So your perspective is a bit fresher about the United States than my own. So I was hoping, as an ambassador that you are, you could help um, our American listeners Mm -hmm. understand a little bit about maybe what media gets wrong about life in China. Uh, Well, I think most of the most of the problems with regards to reporting in China is that first off people don't know what the hell they're talking about in a lot of ways they they have these preconceived notions about mm. just like just like me when i was when i didn't know and never went to china but i was reading about it or just trying to figure it out you know there's just mm-hmm. certain things that you know when you when you're there you know and the the thing is that like everything is always mm. painted with such a broad brush now you know, it's like, are there things going on in China that uh, are, are troublesome? Are there people that are unhappy? Of course, there's people unhappy here in America. You, I can go outside and find a whole bunch of those people right now that are, that, I mean, like burning the American flag if they want to, or or mm. storming the Capitol, you know, like like there's there's vivid examples of chaos in all countries, you know, but it just seems like when it's being imparted to China, it's this epic, all-encompassing, it's it's all of this. What I would recommend is for people to like parse things out and say, is this as broad as what I'm being informed about? Or is this something that's being uh, extrapolated in a larger way? Because I think so much, I, I was in 
in Shanxi uh, province. And I was on a C, I think it was a CGTN trip or uh, I went to a area that had, there were growing crops here. And this area was very arid and there wasn't a lot of opportunity to grow crops. But this this kind of guy came and he was a the local official and he was able to work with the locals and understand uh, hydroponics and all of these kind of things. And, and he revolutionized this sort of arid area. And now it produces just an ungodly amount of vegetables. And, and so mm. I ended up like, I've been chastised for it like crazy. I ended up dancing with these vegetables and it was this fun, like, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but I want to see that. Yeah. Just look up dancing vegetables. And I was, I mean, I was on media. I was on like, mm. like actual, like I've been on the cover of New York times Wow! because I was really happy to see these instances of mm. successful opportunities that maybe it was a Chinese government. Mm. Maybe it was the people working with the Chinese government. If you're not willing to, if you look at all the negative painted with a broad brush and say, this is all China. Mm. And you look at the good stories and say that's not relevant. Then you're what are you what are you doing? You know what I mean? Like like if you got to look at it all and like weigh the value of different countries and different cultures that way. If you really want to, if you, if that's your goal is to like judge a right. country, you judge it by everything, not just these little instances. And I was finding, you know, I was I was always seeing these stories that are like, oh my god, and like like that one in Xi'an that you were talking about earlier, like mm-hmm. you know, me talking about how people here aren't miserable. Why is that even needed? <laughs> Why do you even need to say that? You know, but right. I felt like I did have to because because I know that people's preconceived notions of this country are are in large part negative. And I don't think that, that that's deserved, you know, mm. in most cases, you know. And I, I would also want to ask you, I, I think in one of the videos you said, the more people I meet in China, uh, the more I appreciate the culture. Can you elaborate on that? Mm. Why is that? The more people you meet in China? Well, I mean, the more people you meet in general, I, I have a, um, I have a philosophy that um, every one of us is a soup. Soup? Yeah, yeah. We are born a base, you know what yeah. a base is, right? Just flour you base, and water, you know, yeah. just just very base. And then as we grow up in our families, there's a little sprinkle of spice. Mm-hmm. And as you go, and the taste of that becomes different. Mm-hmm. And so the flavor of our individual soup changes. And the more people that we meet, the more vivid and the more mm-hmm. uh, flavorful our lives become and our soup becomes, you know. And And I think that, you know, if you know like one person in China, you might hate China. That one person might be a, might be a you know, that guy spilled a beer on my foot, you know, but, but um, as, as you meet more people, you appreciate China more, but not just people in, you, you can, I'm not saying you have to get out there everywhere in China, but I have gone everywhere, not everywhere, but I've gone a Every, lot of more places. than most people. Yeah. Like I've gone a lot of places in China, you know, a lot more than most people even think. Mm. I mean, I've been all the way up, I've been all the way down, and I've been all the way to the west and all the way to the east and everywhere in between. And and every time I met somebody, I was like, hmm, okay. That's something about China. I that's that's a personality in China that I didn't know about. That's a little bit something added to my experience of what how to appreciate this culture and this 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 is somebody else doing something a little bit different. This is somebody else that's contributing to the betterment of of the country in this way. And and I was always like, hmm. oh, okay, you know, because you always think you know you know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know, and so you, you start learning about all those things you didn't know about about a country or its people, mm. and mm. you're like, oh my god, this is so much more. I mean, on a very, very basic level, you know, people in the West think a lot of people in the East are simple. Mm. 
you know, antiquated, you know, they're farmers or they're, you know, laborers and they're, they're not, they don't have a Harvard degree with, with, <laughs> yeah, or, or not even Harvard degree is okay, but you don't need a Harvard degree to be intellectual, mm. to be wise, integrity. There's many Harvard graduates mm. that have zero integrity. I'm not saying that, you know, there's many people in general. <laughs> well, he seemed, no, you no, seem they, did. they did. did. They spill that a beer bastard. on your foot. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, education it's just a part of of the greater puzzle in order to be a good human mm. you got to have integrity i think that's the most important thing that you could have i mean there's nothing mm. there's nothing greater. i agree with integrity, mm. you can shape the world. You know? I, I really want to ask this because rarely do I meet someone who's been all over the place and sure. who has been to so many places in China. I have not been to all that many places mm. in China. And um, I want to know that, have you noticed anything that okay. underlines um, the civilization? Like what are some yeah. common elements of the civilization? Because, you know, you, you go across China, there are people speaking different dialects, even like Shanghai dialects sounds like a foreign language to me. And then you've been in Guangxi. I don't think I've ever been to Guangxi. Yeah. It sounds really remote. You yeah. know, it's, it's big. It's somewhere out there. And you've been to the mountainous areas. There are 56 mm -hmm. ethnic groups in China. But have you noticed common elements in ways that they that make them Chinese? Well, there's certainly a common pride. Everybody is proud that I meet, you know, they're proud of what they've been able to accomplish. They're proud of where they're, where they're at. Mm. And they're also proud of where, where they're going. You see that every night in the local Guangzhou, mm. you know, where, where you have everybody dancing and everybody's like, you know, there's a, a bit of a stagnation in a lot of the world where people are like, too comfortable and they don't go out and they're not pushing forward the way that I see people pushing forward in, in, in Asia and China. Mm. And you, you see this sort of like this energy. It's like probably what, what America felt like in its boom time, you know, back when, mm. you know, when things were like, you know, there was new land and new people to be explored. And, and these, there's, there was these new industries and these new, like mm. the cotton gin was invented. And, and there was all these <laughs> like big steps forward that, that America was like on the forefront of, and there was all this feeling of, of opportunity and forward momentum. Right. And I feel like no matter where you are in China, you got this forward momentum. It's, it's like when I was in uh, Xinjiang or, or Turpan. I was in Turpan and um, I was looking at the, there were these chasms or something. There were like these mm -hmm. underground water aqueducts that were pulling water from the mountains oh, right. that were feeding the most arid parts of almost the world, at least China. And, you know, people could not exist without these aqueducts. And I remember meeting a guy who was he was a Uyghur and he was he had the biggest smile this guy had the biggest bigger than yours way bigger <laughs> his smile ate my ate my smile but he was such a nice guy and he was so proud because his grandparents great great grandparents dug oh. the original aqueducts that fed the city and, and there was like this it was interesting because this ancient form of irrigation was feeding this city's livelihood mm -hmm. like without those that was still delivering fresh water to this city that which was a big city so you had this mm -hmm. like sort of it was like this weird physical manifestation of the idea of the forward movement of this culture providing mm. energy and sustenance to the future you know what i mean like like it was like and here he was mm. part of it like an actual cog in the chain and he wasn't what a typical westerner would think of as being chinese but he was very proud mm. of the fact that he was able to help 
in his lineage and his place. What he did, actually, he created this facility that honored the idea of these water aqueducts in mm. in the area. So, mm. like, he actually invested a lot of his own energy and his own money into creating this, like, tourist. Yeah, it's, like yeah, a, it's a really, really, I got an episode about it. It's pretty, pretty interesting. But, uh, yeah, mm. yeah, I mean, mm. that's, that's what I think about, like, you know... That's good. That's good. The yeah, feeling yeah. of forward mobility is what unifies Chinese culture. The feeling of forward mobility. Yeah. One of the elements, I think. You're listening to The Bridge. So I guess, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, in the States, um, there are a lot of uh, people with the Chinese background. And in general, they seem pretty shy, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess when you are in China, you probably feel mm-hmm. that too. You know, what's what's your impression? Well, I mean, different countries have different levels of shyness. You you want to feel shy people, you could go to Japan. Oh. You know? like, <laughs> Japanese are, are notoriously quiet. I remember I went in, in Christmas, I took my Santa suit there and I went on the subway dressed up full on Santa. I mean, like, wow. yeah, clubs, the specs, <laughs> the whole nine. And I remember people just, they were almost in fear of looking up <laughs> because they didn't want to engage. I was holding onto the pole and I was like, it's terrifying. And then I'd wait and I'd go a little higher. And I was going higher, higher. Pretty soon I'm like, oh, nobody's looking up. So I might as well, I might as well do this thing. You know, and I'm like, and then like that whole thing, everybody's like, so, so in, in context, you know, Chinese people are very, very outgoing, you know, but, but there's also, like you said, there's eye contact, there's smile, there's that language that is below language, you know, that's more visceral, mm-hmm. you know, that I consider myself mm-hmm. pretty good at. There's another YouTuber out there who I, I won't say his name, but he's, he's very anti-China and, and I have met this guy and he would go down the street and I'd seen examples of this where he would see somebody and he'd say, you know, that guy, he's an old uncle, you know, he's going to report me to the, the authorities, you know, he's he's what? always, they were always spying on us, you know, from every angle, you know, these people, because he always had this kind of like ah. insecurity that he was being watched. <laughs> and Uncle is and, too busy to watch remember, you. <laughs> yeah. And I remember seeing somebody that I thought was like, I'm like, okay, that guy's kind of looking at me. I wonder what the intention is. Mm-hmm. And I remember, what did I do? I walked up to this guy <laughs> and I gave him a big smile. I said, Nihao, you know, what are you doing? You know, and then he, he looked at me and he's like, oh, he was just excited. People wear different feelings in different ways, right? You're curious. Sometimes your curiosity will come off as anger. And nervous excitement. Or yeah. frustration. But sometimes it'll come off as happiness. And you just got to like figure out how to communicate with people in a better way. And if you can figure out that language mm-hmm. with Chinese and almost anybody, it's just one lesson that you learn around the world is, if you can learn that lesson of how to communicate with the people in that visceral way, then that's mm. a really important skill to learn and, and it'll help you. Mm. And they don't, they don't they don't teach you that. You're listening to The Bridge. Last, last, last question. Okay, okay. What is the future of Jiayu Nation? Where, where in the world are we going to see you go next? Where haven't you been that you really want to go? Is yeah. Matthew Gallet going? Well, 
Okay, so this is a long story, but I will I will try to make it brief. I was stuck in Malaysia when the pandemic hit. So I was supposed to continue my journey. And I paused there, came back to China, waited out two years of the pandemic before I felt mm-hmm. like, you know, I'd really like to continue my global journey. I'd like to continue traveling. And, and so I moved to the back to the United States and I ended up buying a van. And I was thinking, mm-hmm. combo um, mm-hmm. instead of cycling around the world, maybe I can do like a cycling automotive uh thing because because what i was doing in asia was i was living every day recording video during that day and then editing that video at the night and then what i would do is i would find these cheap hostels or mm. these little hole in the wall places that i could get wi-fi and i could you know make make my videos and that worked really well for asia but when i was in america i was like well there's not so many of these kind of niche little hostels it's mm-hmm. it's, it's a little bit like I'm staying in holiday inns, you know, all the time. Or And mm-hmm. I can't camp because camping mm-hmm. is you're not going to get Wi-Fi from camping and you're not going to be comfortable enough to edit videos. So mm-hmm. I was like, what if I had the studio with me? And, and, and so I'm building a van, which I plan to wow. – continue my journey with. I have a new trike that I built in the Czech Republic that will go on the back of the van. And my plan is to reverse the tour. So it was from China all the way to the United States. Now it's Mm, going to be United States all the way back to where I left off, Kuala Lumpur. And um, hopefully most of it will be on this van. And the cool thing is that, so so I'm going to, like, for example, start at the top of Alaska. I'll go to the top of Alaska with the van. I'll drop off the trike and I'll ride around some really beautiful places. But then when I'm finished, I'll put the trike back on the van and continue riding. And let's just say I meet some guy on the side of the road that is riding a bike, that is catching a fish, that is otherwise never going to appear on anybody's radar. One of the things I learned in the world is that I meet some of the most amazing people Mm -hmm. who you will never meet. You will never hear about. You hear about me and you might think my journey is fantastical. It ain't close to some of the people I've met that you will never hear about. Mm. And those people are inspiring. And so I was thinking I could literally have that guy Say, put your bike in the, on the top of the van, come on mm-hmm. in and tell me your story. And then sit down with really good quality audio, really good quality video, and really kind of like get in depth with different people doing different things around the world to try to inspire others to do, you know, interesting. One of the things that one of the most vindicating things in making YouTube videos is is learning about uh, the people that have taken your mm-hmm. advice or your inspiration to heart and have gone into the world. And, mm-hmm. and thank mm-hmm. you, Matt. I've went to my daughter's in Japan because of you, or thank you. I'm, I'm able to, mm-hmm. you know, uh, bond with my daughter because we both ride trikes or, you know, like, like all of these kind of interesting stories. And so the more that I can deliver those into the world in a unique, mm. unique and interesting and and watchable way, I think that might be my way to make the world a little bit of a better place. And so my hope would be that I could just continue cruising around the world, mm. meeting interesting people, you know, maybe maybe on the trike, maybe on the van, but but just doing it in a way that I wow. can kind of spread inspiration. You know, so that's the plan. You know, Jayo in in the Western world, people don't know Jayo, but they do know J-A-Y-O-E. So that's kind of like my brand outside. So if you're on Google, just type in J-A-Y-O-E. But if you're in China, just uh, Jayo Mata. I've got Xiao Hongshu and and Billy Billy. And but mm. by far most most 
current stuff is on on YouTube uh, just because it's the first thing I upload to. You know what? It's one more thing is is the in the beginning you had said that you feel like you know me and it's so interesting because I meet yeah. so many people who are like because I share my life on on YouTube they say I know everything. I know a lot about. We're like we're like buddies, <laughs> you and me. We are. We are. Buddies, we're close. <laughs> well, you know, it's. I try to be genuine, and it's and it's and it's yeah. honor to be uh, friends with so many amazing people yes. around the world. Well, you have these friends because nice. you're you know have an open mind and open heart. Yes, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for telling Welcome. us about that. And uh, for our fans who want to maybe become your fans, you can find more of Matt at Jayo Nation on YouTube. What other platforms are you called? Jayo Nation and Billy Billy. Yeah, Jayo Ma Te. Jayo Ma Te. Te Te Te. Nice. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I look forward to your future videos and have safe trips. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much. See you next time. Bye bye. Bye bye. 